Okay, welcome back to the podcast. Today we have a July 4th special. We have two special guests here today. We have... Uh, what's up, everybody? I'm Ryan Olson from St. Louis University. I'm a finance and economics major. I'm excited to be here. Hi, my name is Alejandro. I'm a mechanical engineer from the University of Notre Dame. Uh, just so you know, the audio is going to be raw, so if there's any mistakes, it's cool. Like, I'm going to just leave it there so people know like what we actually talked about rather than like editing piece by piece that means don't mess up Leva. okay yeah. fine all right so basically um today we're going to talk about certain topics like being a conservative at a university the election i think i talked about this before but the election uh for this year the presidential elections um and also the aftermath of the elections so i guess we'll just dive right into it so like what are some of the things that you experience as a conservative in a college campus uh yeah so i think the biggest thing about being on a college campus, uh, especially from the lens of a conservative, you know, you go in with this idea that everybody's kind of going to be against you. You know, it's very almost indoctrinating. But I think what's really empowering when you get to college is that there are people, no matter where, how you think, there are people that think like you. And the fact, you know, when you find people like that, then you really get to build off of each other and figure out what it is you really believe in. And you get to hear different, different perspectives um, from other people. But what's really interesting is when you talk to people who really disagree with you, because what ends up happening is you start talking to people who disagree with you. And I don't mean like having debates and having, um, arguments, but when you actually get into the discussion of the matter, people in college are able to articulate what they think and how they feel. And so now you're having this dialogue where you're bouncing ideas out of each other. And while you don't have to like concede any of your morals or any of your, um, uh, yeah, any of your morals that you have, you really, you can see other people's view and you can humanize that and not see them as these evil people who think differently, you know? But at least that's my experience. What is your experience, Leiva? I mean, I haven't been to college yet, I'm going, so what do you think? I, I mean, you're another day, so what do you think? I mean, in, I totally agree with Ryan. There's a certain aspect that students have to get out of their bubble, I guess. You can't necessarily just find a group that you're... Um, agree with and just stick with it. I think most people at universities, and what's great about universities is that you get to expand. That's where you get to have these conversations as Ryan was mentioning, uh, where you may not always agree with people, but you have to find common ground. And it it happens in the classroom, at least in my university, it happens in the classroom. And sometimes it even happens to where we have these community engagements where people are bouncing back ideas. And Although I, I can agree, I can testify that I may not always agree with them. I do find common ground and we do find these common aspects to where we view each other's opinion and respect each other. And I think some universities are better equipped to do that. And I think, as Olsen was saying, some students, at least in my experience, are better, have a better uh, way of articulating what they want to say. And that leads to better discussions, better dialogue better uh, compromise and better understanding between students. And I think that's why call it at least conversations both from the conservative side as well as from the uh, liberal side need to happen in college campuses. And I think that's a problem that we're facing as a country right now. Like we have like the, we have, we can't have conversation about what we, we believe. And I think we experience this on Twitter and, and a lot. I think Twitter is a very toxic place. I think I mentioned this before, but Twitter is a very toxic place where like you can't actually have a conversation about what your beliefs are. And I know we have like this friend group where we talk talk about politics uh, from a conservative point of view. And it's and we notice that it's really hard to come out as a conservative or as a Trump supporter itself because like again people just can't have like that civil conversation or civil discourse as they would say because of what we believe. 
I mean, I don't, I don't know. Have you experienced that in college? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely, there's definitely those people who will fight back, and I would, I would be willing to say that in college, especially, um, you know, maybe not exactly in my, where I, where I experience, it's fairly um, diverse, and there are a lot of different ideas, but there is something to be said about there. There's a, there is an a definite, a definite left leaning um, politi- political opinion from administrators and professors. Uh, you know, in 2017, the, there was a study put out by Yale that found that 41% of their professors self-identify as very liberal. And, you know, that's kind of, not I won't say scary or alarming, but then you look at the numbers and you're like, 41% said very liberal, uh, 34% said somewhat liberal, 18% said moderate, and then you have 8% that said conservative. Not, you know, moderate, not super, not very conservative. They just said they're conservative. And so when you look at that, you it there, that's why there's a need for conservative students and faculty members too, faculty and staff members to speak out with these conservative views because we a lot of times conservatives will feel like they don't have a voice. They feel like if they say something that'll offend somebody, and I think it's very legitimate fear. And like I said, this is a this is a study put out by Yale, you know, so it's not like this organization's coming into Yale and trying to make up these um, these facts. I mean, it's put out by the Yale by a Yale club. Mm-hmm. So my thing is, is as conservatives, we almost have to empower each other to do these things. You know what I mean? And it's like, if, you know, with Leva, if me and him don't go to the same college, but if I know he's conservative, I'm going to want to build kind of this bond with him and, re- and relationship with him. That way I, he feels comfortable talking to me about these things. And if he, if, if, even if he disagreed with me, I would want him to be able to come to me and have this dialogue. But unfortunately, what we're seeing on these college campuses is that there's one side of the aisle that's being put on a pedestal and another side of the aisle is being told the racist were xenophobic homophobic or all these different isms when in reality we're not and the reason why they say that is not because they have a vendetta against us it's because they don't know how we feel mm-hmm. you know what i mean and that's that's the real dangerous part and as conservatives we have to take that on us because we don't oftentimes speak up in class so they don't know what we're thinking because we don't say it yeah and i think if we can get over that that fear which is a legitimate fear of you know the backlash we'll receive I mean, just look at when Ben Shapiro goes and talks on a college campus. He gets protested like nonstop, which, you know, it's just that's just the reality of modern conservatives. I don't know if you have the same view, but I mean, at least for me, I think that there is some legitimate fear that a overwhelming amount of people, especially in administrators and faculty, have these um, are overwhelming left leaning or uh, liberal leaning. Uh, individuals, and I think that has an effect on as well as the youth because you're only one getting one side of the story, and if one if one has a different opinion upon if one doesn't agree with uh, the view, and an overwhelming majority disagrees with that one individual, what's going to happen if that individual either has to like well, leave and find another place that fits his sort of point of view? Or has to be indoctrinated into that and i think that that leads to less people having individual thoughts and more of a not i wouldn't say mom mentality but one one-minded system and i think that's not what college was about i think colleges is more about individualism finding who you are and i am being able to kind of have these discussions with other people who share the same passion but have different opinions and being able to talk to them being able to have these dialogues and grow from it you may change your views in college, I mean, you may not, but being having one having one system where everything's being t- 
telling and being told to you and you have to either accept it or fight back at it i think that's not helpful because you're just creating a person who just can't think for themselves and i think that's important especially in today's america like with the media with the way things are going on like things are always not black, black and white there are things in between and i think one we as individuals need to be able to look at it not as black and white but as more as a color spectrum and being able to say okay this is what's happening okay how what exactly what exactly is the truth because you just can't look at it and say okay that's the truth no there's something else there and it's you're in you as yourself need to look at it i mean and i guess i don't know if you were liberal before but like if you were if at some point how did you convert to conservative what was that moment you were like oh I should have become a conservative or you were like, I want to be a conservative. I mean, the, it, I wouldn't say that I, I wouldn't say that I converted into conservatism. I think I was always conservative. I just felt like I needed to be liberal because of who I was. I was this type of individual. I, and because of that, I needed to be a liberal. And now that I think about it, I think that I was always conservative uh, but because I was, again, in the system where I was being fed information one-sided, I think that that fed into me saying, oh, I'm a liberal, I'm a liberal, I'm a liberal. And, but now that I think about it, and the more the more I've done my research, the more I kind of talk to individuals who have different opinions, people have been telling me, oh, you're more conservative on this thoughts, you're more liberal on that. So either way, I just feel like it's been helpful, at least for me in college, it's been helpful to identify where I am, and I think that's essential for any individual. To I, mean, have. I mean, for me, it was like, well, at the beginning, I was, I wouldn't say I really cared about politics. I just was just like, I was just there. But I started becoming very conservative because of like, I was just tired of hearing all the whining and I wanted to do my own research. I was just like, I don't understand why people say this. I'm like, I'm gonna do my research. And I'm like, oh, well, I guess you can say I started off as being like, the opposite. I was just like, I don't want to think what everybody thinks. I don't want to believe everything everybody thinks. So I'm gonna just do my own thing. And then it got to me when I got, I guess, junior year through my theology class because I started learning about objective and subjective truth. Where you learn about like facts are facts, and you shouldn't involve your feelings in it. So it's just like, okay, well, I guess I'm gonna just become a. I wouldn't say I became a conservative, but like I'm more. I am conservative. I'm more libertarian than just many other things. Yeah. I feel like freedom of thought and being individualism is more important than I guess protection mm. and other stuff. Yeah, I think it's I think it's interesting hearing all these different people and different perspectives of not really how you kind of just how you became who you are today. You know, I think everybody goes on their own kind of roller coaster journey. Uh, it's like you know some tread into more the more liberal side, some tread into the more conservative, some do a mixture of both throughout their life. I know for me, I kind of always grew up you know, I, I never really considered myself a conservative before high school. Um, I just knew I loved this country. I loved everything. Or I loved what this country stood for and what it meant, uh, especially to my dad. You know, my dad coming from the Philippines, um, I think really had an impact on how I feel about politics uh, because it gives you an appreciation for freedoms that other places don't have. Now, I get it. You know, this country has some hor has a horrible history. I wouldn't say horrible. Well, it does have horrible history. It has horrible parts of its history. Um, and it's done horrible things. And there's still things we need to fix every day. 
But when you boil America down to what it really is, I've always looked at it as a beacon of freedom where people want to get to, you know, and I think because my, you know, anytime I would complain about life here in America, my dad would always sit to, to tell me how it was in the Philippines. And so, and he would always tell me about how tyrannical, how bad tyrannical government is. So it's always been important to me to have, have individual liberty, have individual freedom and how bad the government really can get. You know, I think it's interesting. And that's how I've always, that's how I've always lived. And I find it interesting when people want some more like they're okay with giving up some of their liberties and freedoms when you talk to them you kind of understand where they're coming from it's just a different way of thinking and it's just a viewpoint i can't share but i can understand and appreciate i think that's what we lack a lot in today's society is that we can't it's not about agree to disagree it's understand where somebody's coming from their viewpoint and let's see where our not even our common ground, but where we really disagree, you know, because I think and you could probably attest to this. I think when you find where you disagree, that's when you find where your paths kind of go the wrong way. So I think that's how I came to find out I was conservative, just because these civil liberties and civil freedoms have always been important to me. And I want them to and I want everyone to have them. And in order to get them, we need the government can't be inter- interfering in our lives. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, that's kind of how I've always thought about it. And, and I think. Uh, Steven Crowder put this best. I, he said it before. He's like, we all want to attain the same things. We just have different ways to attain them. Mm-hmm. And I agree, like, with, I mean, my dad being an immigrant, him de- being deported, and that people get that common misconception, like, why do you want, like, to fund ICE? Why do you, uh, like, mm-hmm. some, like, you know, why do you support it? I, it's not really because, again, because I support ICE because I'm racist, because I'm not. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm a Hispanic person. It's just that I believe that there's some things that have to be put in place for people to come legally and I'm not be deported. Because, of course, deport, deportations are horrible things. And okay, I don't know if it should be like that, but I think there has to be some some stuff where we have to put control over other stuff as well, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to immigration. So I, I guess we cannot move into the election, com- upcoming election. Yeah. Anything else? I mean, for me, it's, I think, okay, here's the thing. I think Trump, before COVID, had a thing, had like a very clear path of like mm-hmm. winning. But I think COVID did get lower his chances of winning by a landslide. It's not going to be a landslide for sure. Yeah. I think it's going to be a much tougher fight. The only thing is, I think through the debates, he's going to, and I said this before, I think he's going to devour Biden. Okay. Biden has no chance when it comes to debates. Mm-hmm. He has chance because of Twitter, I guess. I mean, Twitter, it's mostly liberal people. But yeah. I, I think when it comes to debates, Trump is going to devour him. Because remember, Trump is a TV personality. He knows how to talk on TV. And Biden maybe doesn't tell Biden had a chance. But, I mean, Biden can't even get a sentence together. I don't, that's that's I, true. That's I, don't, true. I don't know how he's going to debate Trump. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. And I see what you're saying. I think the thing is, is... There's such a animosity towards Trump as a person. You know, it's that I feel like we as citizens should look at the policy, should look at the results and take Trump's name off of it and then analyze and see if you really do or do not like it. I think you can find things, you know, I've, I've you know, we've talked about this before. Do am I, Was I a Trump guy? Yeah, I was a Trump guy. Now, was I was I a Trump apologist? No. When Trump goes out and says stupid things. I'm like, dude, come on, you know, and it's not like I support Trump necessarily as a person, but let's talk about the kids in the cages or the ICE detention facilities. 
course, no, I don't support that. And I think President Trump should take care of that. Now, are there other lying, outlying factors that you can talk about that? You know, the Obama administration was the one that put those up. Um, ICE isn't exactly funded as well as it should be to be able to um, build adequate facilities. I think there's a lot of things. But at the end of the day, it comes on Trump to take care of that. So I'm looking at Trump and I'm saying, you need to take care of this situation. And, you know, I look at some of the riots and I'm looking at Trump and I'm like, you haven't taken care of some of these things. You know, Chaz or Chop. What's it called now? Yeah, they chop. go through different names every day. <laughs> chop. I don't even know what that stands for. But they have it, one in New York right now. Do they really? Well, New York yeah. is a whole different place. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, they All just, of New York City is one Chaz. But yeah. you see what I'm saying? It's, it's Trump. Oh, Trump, Trump <laughs> talks a big game and sometimes he backs it up. Sometimes he doesn't. Me personally, I like to support policy. I don't support people. If anybody else would have put forth, if shoot, if Hillary Clinton would have put forth these, the policy issue that Trump was talking about, I would have been for it. Um, but I'm not a Trump apologist. You know, when Trump does something that I like, great. When he does something that I'm, that I don't like, I'm sitting there like this dude needs to just shut up. You know what I mean? And, but I just, I don't see Bernie. I really don't. Or, I'm sorry, not Bernie. Who's running? Biden. I don't see Biden. Oh, yeah. Might, well, might as well come. But, yeah, I just don't see Biden. And But I think a big part of it's going to be who Biden picks as his VP. Um, that's going to be a big thing for me. He's talked about wanting to have a really strong VP, somebody that's going to be ready to come into office. And you know what? If he takes somebody that, you know, because we, we were talking about this earlier. I was a big uh, Buttigieg um Klobuchar and Yang Gang guy. Mm-hmm. I was big on them. So if he pick, if he is to pick them, I know uh, Kamala Harris looks like she's going to be the front runner. Um, and Klobuchar just dropped out, right? I think so. I'm not sure. Yeah. I, I haven't really looked into it. So, I mean, Klobuchar dropped out. I'm not the biggest fan of, of Kamala Harris. But, you know, if he picks someone that I can get behind, I'm all for it. Because I'm not really scared of a Democrat president. I'm really not. There were some, like I said, Yang Gang and Buttigieg and Klobuchar uh, and Tulsi Gabbard. People forget about Tulsi Gabbard. She was ripping Kamala Harris to shreds. Um, so it's it, a big thing is going to be who he picks uh, for that. But I can't get behind Biden. I just I don't really I'm not a bi- big Biden guy. But I'm probably going to get a lot of flack for that. But <laughs> I, just, I can't. Well, well, I mean, what do you think? I mean, I mean, it, it has to deal. What, what's going to happen is that Biden has to win both the black community as well as the Hispanic community. And we, we forget Trump won like 40% of the Hispanic community when he won 2016. And right now, like he's done policies that have impacted the black community. I just, I just feel like at least in Biden's case, he has, I, I don't want to, I don't want to sound like wrong i don't want to sound wrong but i just can't see him going four years in presidency we forget the president's job is one of the toughest jobs and he has to be his mind has to be right and i just don't see him the way he his debate the way he debated uh bernie all his like rallies when people ask him questions he just doesn't seem there and i just like like i don't see him being able to go up against trump because trump whether whether you like the guy or not, he's he puts on a show, and that's what a lot of people like about him. He puts on a show. He makes this entertaining. He makes it uh, watchable. We forget that the rally in Tulsa, even though it's may, it may be controversial or not, and we forget that only like people keep saying that only six thousand people showed up. We forget that we're not looking at uh, 
people who went into their live stream and stuff like that because that number reaches up to like 12 million if i'm correct if i'm mistaken mm-hmm. I, I i can't pull up the numbers on top of my head but people yeah, i think it was somewhere around 12, 12 million it was millions even if it was yeah, on the other it side was, it was somewhere between 10 and 15 something like that yeah, yeah people pay attention that's they the point do, part. They do. yeah and sure. what the, what happens is that we don't see that when it comes to biden and like olson said we have to pay attention to who his vp is like like you said, I'm not scared of a Democratic president. What I'm scared is that what policies he's going to implement. Because I am i don't want those policies to affect uh, my life and my freedom. Because whether you like it or not, we're America's founded on freedom. And if that freedom is taken away, that's going to be a big issue. And you're going to see exactly what people are. are you may rip on the riots and the, uh, the protests. But people are exercising the freedom of speech. But you don't see that when it comes to like rallies and stuff like that, especially when Trump rallies, like people are ripping him because he's hosting uh, events where people can express their freedom of speech. Yet none of uh, none of the people in the media ever say, oh, why are these people protesting? Like, I get it. It's it's your freedom of speech. But you're, there's also a pandemic going on around here. And I think that that kind of hypocritical by the media and by individuals themselves is like, oh, we're doing this to protest. But we're but, and that's okay, but being able to express what you believe in and being able to attend a rally, that's not okay. And I think that that needs to be said. That's kind of hypocritical, I guess. And I, I wouldn't, like, I guess you, you guys are right. I'm not scared of a Democratic president. I, maybe I'm not because it's Biden winning. Mm-hmm. Because again, I think Biden's a classic liberal. He's not like, he's not too radical and other stuff. Like, I wouldn't be scared of a Bernie president. Becoming Bernie as a president, I'm scared of because I feel like my rights, my individual rights as freedom rights would be taken away uh, we're outside by the way so if you hear a they lot of hear us talking about trump they're, <laughs> they're ready yeah uh, that's all i'm more scared about like uh a bernie becoming president over anyone else to be fair so that's that's exactly what i'm scared about not maybe not biden but maybe someone like or aoc in the future I feel oh, like someone God. like AOC becoming president is something I'm scared of because she is so far to the left or progressive or radical, however you want to call it, mm-hmm. that I'm actually scared of her taking my into my freedoms yeah. that I have. I mean, that brings up to the point of like, are you scared of a woman president? Because I, I, I really don't care whether that be male or female. I, I don't really care. As long as he keeps our, my freedoms, as long as he protects my individual rights, that's all I care about. I'll vote Democrat, Republican, doesn't matter. Woman, man, I don't care. That doesn't matter. But if if they're going to put policies that are going to infringe upon my freedoms and my ability to be able to provide for my family, that's where they can issue. Yeah, I I completely agree with that. That's that's my big thing. You know, like I said, and like and me and Labor were talking about this earlier. You know, I don't we don't support presidents. You know, mm-hmm. I think especially a big thing about our generation, you know, Gen Zs, we don't really vote on party lines. We make a big deal of that. You know, we like to vote on on uh, policy, on character, on things that we agree on. Um, unfortunately, a lot of times, a lot of party, part, uh, a lot of people in the same party will vote or will support similar things. Um, but I think that's a big thing about our generation, whether you're liberal or conservative, you really want to, you don't, we don't really like these parties, this party system. You know, I just want to know what your policies are. Tell me what you were going to vote. What, tell me what you're going to advocate for. Tell me what you're going to vote for. And when people tell me that Trump is worse than Biden, and when you're talking, talking about, because at the end of the day, we're going to have to pick between two evils. That's just how it is in, in this election, specifically. You know, there are things I don't like about Trump. But the thing is, is his competition is Biden. You know, Biden's been in office for 100 years, okay? He's been in office for his whole life. Let's talk about the things that he's done. And when you pose, when you take these into account, 
all the problems that we're seeing right now, like the Black Lives Matter movement, what they're standing on, systemic racism, a big part of that are some of the bills that Joe Biden passed. Mm -hmm. And yes, he's coming out and saying, well, apologizing for it, which that's great. But at the end of the day, you still did it and you did it for so long. Why should I believe that you changed? You know, he helped write the Bill Clinton, um, the mass incarceration bills. Yeah. He's been a part of the system that people hate so much for so long. And I think that's a big thing about why people supported Trump so much is because, you know, you know, the definition of insanity of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. If we continually vote for the same people who have been making these decisions, and I think it's me and you, and we're talking about this later, but we seem to be talking about a lot of things all the time. <laughs> but we were talking about this. Why would you vote for someone who's who is proven to do the same thing over and over again? You know, and and I think that's I, I again, and I think one of the things is that's this idea of the silent majority. There's people out there that are scared to say they support Trump, and that's why voter integrity is so important. Keeping voters, you know, voter secrecy, uh, voter, and then keeping voters anonymous. That's so important because at the end of the day, if you're getting judged for your views and who you are, gets, you know, your name gets kind of damaged because of that. You know, I don't want people knowing who I vote for sometimes, but I kind of, I got over that, but some people don't, you know what I mean? I think, uh, at least for me, it's like going back to the issue of the silent majority, whether that be Republican or Democrat, mm -hmm. there are way too many people that are moderate, that oh, yeah. are not left-leaning, that are not right-leaning, and they're just feeling alone and abandoned because they can't, they, they can't go on the left's policies, they can't go on the right's policies, so who do they vote for? Because they feel like um, none of them are another more adequate to fit their part their beliefs and i guess that that leads to many people not not being able to vote and then we see people saying oh well well oh well well this person's horrible and people ask them well did you vote and many people say no and i, I guess that that leads to people saying okay well you, I, i'm sorry but you can't you, I, you can't say anything because you didn't vote. Your voice wasn't heard. If you're not okay with the president that's right now, I guess that need, that leads to people needing to vote. That's why voting is so important because you get to elect people that represent you, whether that be Republican or Democrat. And going back to what you said about having Democrats going 40, 50 years in the same office doing the exact same bills, that goes for both Republicans and Democrats. I feel like if one person's been... It's been the same thing for over 40, 50 years. I don't think that you as an individual have to forcibly vote for that same individual. I think you have to change because if you feel like you're not being heard, if you feel like you are not being represented adequately and you've been voting for the exact same person every single time, then I think it's time for you to look at within yourself and say, okay, I've been voting for this person or I've been voting for this party for over a long time. Have they done anything for me? And if the answer is no, then I think you really should look and see who what other individuals align with your policies don't take the person himself into account just take their policies and if their policies you align with you then i think you should vote for them whether that be republican or democrat and i think that i i'm guessing that the, there's going to be this new wave of these more more youthful congressmen and congresswomen going into congress and being able to like voice the opinion of the youth because if we really think about it, the average age of congressman, I don't know. Something like 50, yeah. it's 58 or something. They have older ideas, I guess you could say. I yeah, mean, it's, yeah, it's true. They're old. They're, mm -hmm. They don't, like, they're from a different time. <laughs> and, 
not to say that in not to say that in the worst case, but I'm just saying that they don't like they need we need better representation both from the left and from the right in Congress so they can align with our views. And I think having old people there who've been in the same place for over, uh, for over like 50 years or plus, like I think that's not helpful. And I think uh, we just pulled it up. Uh, the average age for the 105th Congress was 57.8 years. That's a lot. And I think that that doesn't represent the youth in America that's bringing up right now. This youth right now, we have our smartphones. We could look stuff up. Mm-hmm. We're not we're not necessarily going to lean to one party. And we preach individualism. We preach this thing called uh, where we... How we're, we don't necessarily align with the status quo. We move. We are in the, we're these individuals, and I think that that causes people to like not go left or right. It causes people to move, have this fluidity between their ideas. And I think that having these two party systems, whether we agree with them or not, is not helpful because we are forced into this bubble where we may not always agree with. And and I guess that's also why Trump won in 2016 because going back to the idea of. These people being in Congress for so long, or in, let's say in office for so long, Trump ne- was never in office. He's someone from the private sector. No one really believed him in any ways, and that's why I keep on saying when Trump went, it was like a big middle finger to everybody because it's just like oh, yeah. it was like, well, it's someone that nobody knows. He doesn't know anything about politics. He's just coming in on this big idea of I'm gonna improve the economy. I'm gonna bring America. I'm gonna make America great again, and I'm gonna make. Uh, bring jobs back so it's just like we're gonna get someone who has nothing to do and i guess that's why people voted for trump and wanted trump too and because it's it was a change and as you were saying it's like we're keeping these people in office for so long and none of these people like trump again he had zero experience in politics coming in out of nowhere it's just like it's a new change and then and, I, and then again well i guess what you were saying ryan where we were saying that but do you really think biden's gonna be a change if he's been in office for like 50 years i think like he's actually i think Charlie Kirk makes a good point. Uh, how are we going to blame all of America's problems on Trump? He's only been on office for three years. It's true. It's three years. Like, we can't really blame Trump. And I guess it goes back to Slava's point. Like, they've been in office for 50 plus years. They're not, they don't actually make any change. They're just there. The establishment, the status quo, however you want to call it. It's just that they're there and they're not actually making any change. And I guess this goes now to the point of like the individual. Again, I guess we can move on, but we can talk about like how it affects us as like having American pride. And I think that's something that's been coming up lately because of all the Black Lives Matters movement and Vanessa Guillen, which it's a sad situation regardless of what side you're on, where people like don't want to celebrate Fourth of July. And if you celebrate Fourth of July, you're seen as racist or as a homophobe. Or if you don't agree, and I guess it goes to the point where like if you don't agree, you're you're gonna be called something else. You're gonna be called racist. That's the main one that's yeah. right now. And it's it sucks because a lot of people actually want to celebrate Fourth of July because mm-hmm. they're happy to be here. And, and and it goes back to your point, like. I guess it's my experience as well. Like, I think America is the most free country, the freest country in the world. We have the ability to vote. We have the ability to own guns. We have the ability to say whatever we want. Well, at least to not get arrested. That, yeah, that's right. Uh, but, and you won't find at least those three in mm-hmm. every country in the world. They're, they might have some components of that, but not all three. Yeah. I mean, I think going to what you tried about, you know, the underlying question about the 4th of July is, you know, are you proud to be American? Not, are you proud of the president? Not, are you proud of every single aspect of American history? Not, are you proud of your governor? I think the underlying question is, are you proud to be American? And what does that mean? Well, I think that can mean different things to different people. 
But for me, you know, I see America. You know, I see where right now, let's talk about right now in the Philippines, you know, where my, cause my dad's from the Philippines. I would have been in the Philippines had my dad not come over here. Um, let's talk about what's happening right now with their terror bill. They're literally passing a terror bill, disguising it as a way to protect the citizens, ultimately to suppress their free speech. So they can't say certain things. They can't uh, make certain gestures. It's all these different things that are going to suppress their first and well, they're not, not their first amendment, but their freedom of speech. And I think that's a huge thing when I when I go out and see these people protesting, which whether I agree or not with their protest is irrelevant. Mm-hmm. I think it's a beautiful thing to see people so passionate about something and protesting. You know, I think when I, you know, whether I agree with Colin Kaepernick or not about kneeling, I think it's so great that he has the autonomy to be able to do that. I agree. And I think when I look at all those things and what you said about having all those components of freedom, I am proud to be American. And I'm glad my dad made the decision to come over here or my grandmother rather made the decision to come over here and give me and my siblings a better life and the ability to come up. And I think the reason why America is so great is because we're able to change for the better. You know what I mean? And I, and I think, yes, of course, we need to recognize our bad, our bad points in history, recognize when we messed up and fix it. But I don't think that takes away from the overall greatness. And I will forever be proud to be in this country so long as we have all of our freedoms and we do continue to be a great nation. I, I, I truly do believe that America is a great nation. I truly believe that. And, I, and I'm truly proud to be American. And I'm never going to I'm never going to not. That's the one thing that I will never um, surrender is my pride in America because I see how great it's done for my family. And I just can't I can't hate something that's done so much greatness for, for us. I mean, I, I would, there's literally, how can I go, how can I follow up that? I mean, <laughs> I just feel like the definition of America is being able to have the opportunity to do so many great things. I mean, nowhere else in the world does the status quo fluctuate as much. Where p- rich people could go to poor in an instant, poor people could become millionaires like in years. It takes hard work. You forget that the American dream is being a, if as long as you work hard for it, you're going to go, you're going to be fine. I think that's, that's been true no matter what. I think that there is some, as Olsen was saying, that there is some dark times in American history, but overall there's, there's been so much good for America, for in American history. Yes, we have done, yes, as Americans, we have done terrible things to other people and we have done terrible things, but that doesn't give away from the overall greatness that is this country. And I think that uh, like whether you agree with it or not, you should be proud to live in a country that allows you to voice your opinion, be able to say what you want to say without having fear of being ridiculed and rare or being able to like say, oh, you can't say that. Nowhere else in the world can you can we talk about anything and not be, and the government not infringe upon our rights. Mm-hmm. I feel like us as individuals here in America, you could say whatever you want. You could express your opinion. You could voice it. And I think that's essential for our growth. And I think America is built upon that. We we were America was oppressed by England, and we decided to be a country where free speech was uh, allowed, and being able to fight for our freedom to say whatever we want, being able to express our religion, be able to have free thoughts. And I think that that individual individuals has not changed i think whether you be black african-american or white you are being or you are able to voice what you say yes there are many injustices in the world yes america is not perfect but overall 
America is great. And I think that we should have pride in that. And I think that our generation should be very, very enthusiastic for the years to come because no, no other time in American history does information flow within our community as much as it does today. And things that we, we could have seen in the 1960s and 1940s, now we could see in a couple of minutes. And I think that that allows us to act, to act as change. And I, and I feel like that is very powerful for our generation. Now, what I am scared about is that it becomes more of a victim mentality and people saying that, hey, this is wrong. I'm being victimized. I'm being victimized. Like, yes, there are many things that are wrong in this country and there are many things that are, seem unjust. But you yourself, the American, a good American doesn't just give up on the first try. A good American, we value American grit. We value American American superiority as in the sense that we don't give up that easily and if and that's that's scary because we don't give up we continue to fight on and that's something that american culture has been engraved in us and i think that that should be revered american grit american perseverance however if we keep uh, people keep saying oh i'm a victim i'm a victim i'm a victim we lose that american grit we lose that sense of ourselves because we as individuals when have we like no other time every point in american history we have said we have to work hard for it to get where we need to be nowhere nowhere else can we say in, in the world that if you work hard you get somewhere it can it will be hard but you will get somewhere here in america nowhere else in the world you can and i think that that's important that's american individualism and i agree and i, I think free speech is very important i think that's I think free speech is the most important thing that we have as a country. And I don't think there's, and again, there are some countries, they say they have free speech, but let's take Germany. You get arrested for quote unquote hate speech. And again, there, hate speech might be a thing, but through the law, it's not an actual thing. At least not here. But, Man, if we got arrested for hate speech, everything we said to Levo would be, we'd be Oh yeah, jail. the joke that I make, Left the things that I say would get, would get me arrested. I'm not going to lie. Trust me, you would get like 40 years in prison. Yes. We, we might get the death. Penalty. Yeah, <laughs> oh, and and I guess and I don't I don't think there should be a line when it comes to speech because again it's free speech you should be able to say whatever you want even if it's racist even if it's wrong mm. you can say I don't look like you were saying I don't agree with it but I mean you can say it and that's up to you because again it's all about individual individualism amen and if if I don't agree with it well that's my problem like for example I'm I don't personally agree with Ka Kaepernick kneeling mm -hmm. but I mean can you do it yeah go ahead. And yeah. a lot of, I think conservatives did have a problem with it because it's it's against the flag. Yeah. And I can see where they're coming from because, you know, conservatives are seen as proud Americans. Oh, yeah. Because it's traditional tradition. But, I mean, it's, it's his right and he should be able to do it. Mm -hmm. And whatever people do, even if we disagree or not, we should be able to do it. Uh, especially when it comes to speech. Amen. I mean, is there anything else you guys want to talk about? Or I think that, right? I mean, I think that for me, that sums it up. Um, I think if I were to say one, one thing, to all the people listening, I think it's, you know, I mean, we're three conservative guys, conservative leaning, all different spots on spectrum. But I definitely want to emphasize the importance of, you know, not only fighting for what you believe in, but just holding those things true. No matter what, if you're liberal or conservative, I would urge everyone to find one or two things that you're super passionate about and never let that die. Because honestly, that's really that's a true patriot is fighting like what Leva was saying, like that grit and determination fighting for what you believe in and fighting for something that you're passionate about is what makes America, what makes Americans great. Exactly. You know, and I don't, and I don't have to agree with everything that, um, 
somebody stands for, but the fact that you're so passionate, you know, with Kaepernick, I will forever admire his his willingness to stand up to something that may be unpopular. I may disagree with his way of protesting. I may disagree with what he's protesting, whatever the case may be. But you know what? That's what America is founded for. You able you being able to fight and to express how you feel. And so people may say, well, you know, Kaepernick's getting paid all this money. I, I don't care. I, all I see is an American guy that is, you know, that is truly fighting for something he believes in. Now, where we get off is that he claims he hates America and yada, yada, yada. That's where we disagree. I'm yeah. like, I, whatever. You lost me. But, you know, there's nothing wrong with pointing out flaws. But let's not act like this country's not granting freedoms that other countries aren't. So, I but I would just say, you know, whatever it is, you fight for it. You be as passionate as you can. And let's, you know, get it done. Get Fight for what you believe in. Fight it out. That's all, that's all I got. I mean, I, I would urge people to, like, to not necessarily just listen to whatever the especially not what the media is saying, but whatever the majority of people are saying, do your research. What America, America's in Americans are great for their individualism. They think for themselves. They fight for themselves. They fight to provide for their families and friends. I think that that is great, and I think that that's what makes this country great. And I think that if people lose that sense, that we lose this country as a whole. I think people need to look at themselves see what they're passionate about, learn it, study it, look at the other side, because there's, trust me, there's going to be people that are always going to disagree with you. And you yourself have to be able to stand up for what you believe in and being ha having the tools in order to defend yourself, but also being able to compromise and look for a common solution, because regardless of what, what happens, you're always going to have people who disagree with you. You're always going to have people that are going to attack you for what you believe in or what you have to say. But you need to be able to find a common ground so you can make this country better. This country wasn't bad. It wasn't founded on bad ideals. There were things that needed to be fixed. And what happened? People sat down. People talked. People compromised. And they got stuff done. That's what needs to happen in this country in order for change to be moving forward. Both sides need to look at each other, see what their flaws are, compromise, and get stuff done. Because regardless of what the fact, this is going to affect us as individuals, and we won't get anything done. Progress won't be made until somebody sets down and says, okay, let's work on a solution together. You are not a Democrat. You're not a Republican. You're not far left, far right. You are an American. What can we do as Americans to better this country and make it that country that we know it can't be. I mean, you guys hit the nail in the coffin. I mean, I don't think there's anything else I can really say. Amen. I mean, for me, it's just, again, I guess it's going off to Olsen. Just be proud of your beliefs. Be proud of what side you're on, no matter if you're left or right. I mean, I don't like the left at all, but I mean, if you're proud to be a liberal, go ahead. Like, mm -hmm. that's that's a freedom of this country. You can be whatever you want. And again, I guess I'm, that's where I'm more libertarian and stuff, where yeah. I agree with whatever, if you want Dye your hair black, go ahead. If you want to dye your hair specific Blue. color, go ahead. You want to get a tattoo somewhere where you want it, go ahead. But like that, again, it's all about the American freedom where we have to be able to disagree on stuff and see that people just don't think alike all the time. And that's what makes our country so beautiful. So again, I guess it's just go out, vote for who you think will benefit you the best, the most, and just be proud of being an be proud of being an American. And that's pretty much all I have to say. I mean. First of all, I want to thank you guys for giving me the opportunity to talk and for coming onto the podcast. I know it's you guys have a busy 
Well, yeah. I guess the quarantine. Yeah, busy, but, yeah anything else. But well, I mean, thanks for having us. That was that was yeah. great. Keep doing what you're doing. Uh, I think this is great, and you know, keep I say keep doing what you're doing. You're gonna make it. Thank you. Good. Uh, thank you for having us. We we really enjoyed having this discussion. I think that's what that's what needs to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, not necessarily just one-minded views, but again, having this discussion between multiple views. But this is this is a great thing. I think that many people should be able to have these conversations and keep doing what you're doing. Right, thank you. And see you guys later.